Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is yet another edition of East Coast Bias right here on the Ringer Gambling Show. Hello to all of our friends on FanDuel TV. And I thought the basketball season might be coming to a close, at least from a conference finals perspective. And the Boston Celtics had other plans, a little Celtic pride in store in a big way as they take down the Miami Heat 116-99. to There will be a game five now coming up on Thursday. You know that the NBA Joe House, Raheem Palmer, are fired up for that. And House, I'll start with you on this. I... Thought after watching game three, oh, there's no way the Celtics are going to give you anything. The Celtics are going to be totally cooked. Then all of a sudden, I kind of had a come to Jesus moment for me waking up this morning. I don't know what shifted it, but I just was like sitting there saying to myself, you know, they got so humiliated. They got so embarrassed. All of the chatter is, oh, Jalen Brown and his future breaking up the Celtics, Missoula, the whole deal. Watch them come out with some serious pride and give the Miami Heat, a hell of a ball game. And if they were going to win, our buddy, our pal, our boss, the podfather was all over this. He expected Boston to go and win in a margin victory, and that's exactly what they did. That's exactly how I ended up betting this game. But House, were you surprised with what you got out of the Celtics here in game four? No. Uh, I bet the Celtics tonight as well. I bet them on the alternate line. I only got them at, at minus four and a half, so I only got like a minus 165 play but um look this is this is a very simple formula i look at the three-point shooting did the the celtics shoot over 40 percent yes then write down w write down win and the heat have been due these entire playoffs for some shooting regression they shot the ball poorly from the field all season long they shot the ball poorly from the three-point line all season long so at some point that shooting regression for the heat was due to catch up to them. And even with all the chatter about the Celtics, uh, uh, you know, perhaps in flux and reconstituting, well, we can have that conversation. I still think that they probably need to look in the mirror and figure something out. Cause I don't think we're at a point where we can say with any confidence, the Celtics are going to win, but look, this is the formula The the, the heat turned the ball over 16 times. The Celtics only turned the ball over 10 times. Shoot the three-point shooting. Celtics shot 40%. Heat shot 25%. It's pretty pretty simple, JJ. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this game, I mean, House really summed it all up. I mean, the, the Celtics, they they hit 40% of their threes, but they also increased their volume of threes. And, you know, I think that's a big thing going forward. And I thought the, the Celtics process of actually getting to their threes was a lot better um, than we normally saw. But I mean, to me, a lot of this was on Miami. Miami, they just they just didn't play well. They didn't. I mean, they were just eight of 32 from behind the arc. Jimmy Butler probably had his one of his worst games of the playoffs. I was disappointed because I personally I had the over 216 and a half. And with Miami not doing their part, in addition, addition to dribbling the ball out of the shot clock at the end of the game, um, we didn't get that over by one, you know, one possession. But I felt like I had the right read, so I was a little mad about that. But you know, I can't really say who's going to win this series going forward. I think the interesting thing is that the Celtics are still just 
you know, they still have to win three more games and they're plus 230 to win this series. So what do you guys think about that? Are you guys buying into the Celtics at this point? Because, you know, Charles Barkley said on Inside the NBA, he can't wait to call his bookie and can't wait to call FanDuel to, to get down whatever on the Celtics. Well, I was sick to my stomach today because they had Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez in the building and this whole 2004 nonsense gets rubbed back into my face. More money in the pocket of the pot, father, wonderful. Kevin Millar, Dan Shaughnessy, Kurt Schilling. Oh, I was sick seeing some of those highlights. I'm like, I'm trying to watch game four of the Eastern Conference Finals. I see two of my all-time Yankees there, the captain, and Mr. Rodriguez, who's responsible for the Yankees' last championship. Don't rub 2004 back into my face. House... I don't think the Celtics are coming back and winning this series, but Raheem brings up a very fascinating point for a three, one deficit and for Boston to look the way that they looked in game three. It sure seems like plus two thirty. That's a low number for a team down three games to one dude. Just saying that just seems like a very low number. It's the market. It's the market. It's the market. The market all playoffs long has overvalued this Boston team. You're not going to get any value. At this point, and I'm not playing any series prices, obviously. I, I have all the exposure to the Celtics that I need. As soon as my uh, uh, Miami took care of Milwaukee, that was when I went in heavily on, on Boston. I don't need any more exposure to Boston. The interesting thing to me will be, what will this price look like if Boston takes care of business in game five? And is that a time for me to go ahead and double down on the heat? That's what I'll be looking at. I mean, the, 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 the lines for game five open bam right in line with what we've seen this entire series boston at home favored by eight the the uh, money line for miami plus 260 i mean am i am i not gonna bet miami I, i'm gonna bet miami i'm bet miami too i'm right I mean, there with you raheem i'm sorry this line is out of whack and I know that the odds makers, they drool the Celtics. They do because they have been overvaluing Boston throughout this entire postseason. That line is insulting, Raheem. I I'm sorry. There's no other way around it. I understand you want to tell me Miami's got a free game. They're going to close it out potentially in a game six. That's when they're going to get Miami or that's when they're going to get Boston. Fine. You could sell me on that. I've seen Miami go into that building not once but twice and win outright. That line should be lower than what it is. I'm sorry. That line is way too high. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a tough thing. I mean, when I look at my model, I actually have it at seven and a half. And I think the, the bookmakers are in a really tough position just because how much can they really adjust their power rating off of two games? And, you know, we have a, a full season of data. We have a full playoffs worth of data. And can you really adjust your power rating multiple points based on two games? Um, and I don't think you can do that, especially when, you know, I think we all acknowledge that the Miami Heat were shooting above expectation and the Celtics were shooting below expectation. So I think you still have to put it, you know, in that seven, eight, eight range. I mean, I personally make it seven and a half. But you got to remember the game one total was Celtics minus 10. And then they came back and had it Celtics minus nine. So how much lower can you go? Um, without, you know, if you, you go too much lower, then you're creating value for the Sharps on the Celtics. So I think this is the right line. Yeah, I'll be betting the heat. That's all well and good. House, <laughs> I'm right there with you, buddy. I will be grabbing those points immediately with Miami. And fellas, I should have shared this in the chat. 
and I dropped the ball mm-hmm. because I was too wrapped up in Dinger Tuesdays. I, I played a Dinger Tuesday Cedric Mullins beak today, House. Winner. <laughs> and the Yankees end up winning the game. So it was a Congrats. double whammy win for me. So I was a little distracted in our group chat. I played Boston House and Raheem at plus two and a half games before tonight at plus 180. I feel great about that wager now because now I basically feel like I got a free roll going into game five where I'm getting plus 180 for the Celtics to go and take care of business. So I'll, I'll have myself a nice little middle, take Miami plus the points, take the Celtics to win, which I have because I have plus two and a half games. Maybe a double win action for me, Raheem. You never know. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great bet. I mean, I, I wish I made it myself. You know, um, I kind of wish, I mean, like, I wasn't going to do it. But, you know, I'm pretty sure there's some people out there who took the Celtics down 3-0 and, and got a good bet on that. So. What was that number, out of curiosity? What was it, like 600, 700? I think it was sure, only, actually. I think it was only, like, plus 600. I went that's on. That's why I took a look. It was quickly. not worth my while. Dude, I felt the not same enough. way. If it was closer to, to 8 or 9, I might have jumped in. But look, here's the thing. You're you're looking at a Miami team that that got subpar performances from Bam and from Kyle Lowry. Lowry was two for eight from the field. Bam was four for seven. You know, n- neither one of them um, were able to assert their will. I, I and, and four turnovers from each of them. So this is, you know, if you try and jump into the X and O's of Boston defensively, the 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 way that they increase the pace to create more possessions for themselves. I think they, they ended up with 84 shot attempts and Miami was like in the mid seventies shot attempts wise. If that's the, the recipe, it's definitely replicable. It's definitely the way that Boston has played all season long is how they got to the two seed in, in, in the East. And I, I mean, it's, it's the reason why dreams model spits out seven and a half and this line is sitting at eight. So I mean, I understand the the analytics, the underpinnings of it. It's just that you know we we've been kicked in the face by this Miami voodoo all all postseason. So I'm gonna go ahead and and, and uh, take a little bite of a Miami voodoo. That's all. And you know, fellas, the NBA is salivating over the fact that they got themselves a game five on Thursday, and at the very least, Raheem there's a good chance they're going to have Memorial Day action. Considering what transpired in the other Western Conference series, knowing that they cannot push up the NBA Finals because that date is drop dead, stone cold. It's going to be next Thursday no matter what. Somewhere Adam Silver and all the big wigs in the NBA, very happy about this little (sighs) turn of events all of a sudden, dude. They did not want two sweeps here in the Conference Finals. Not at all. I mean, and then you have the, you know, a week and a half off with no basketball. Um, So you got to have some basketball this weekend, especially on Memorial Day weekend. So um, I think we're all excited to see it. But um, I do think it was a bad omen to have Alex Rodriguez (laughs) and Derek Jeter in the building tonight. Um, Because, you know, like at some point, I I always believed this, that we were going to see a team come back from 3-0. And I think this could be the time. So you gut feel right now, Raheem. Okay, let's get it on record. It's... Mm. Right after game four, you think the Celtics are winning this series? I'm not going to go that far. Um, so you think it's but possible, but you don't feel I, like, all right, I'm not putting the cojones on the table and saying it's going to happen. Let's put it this way. The Celtics are 76% to win game five. They're 50% or better to win game six. And then they're probably 76 to 80% to win game seven. If you're looking at the math, 
So I'd say this is a good chance of happening. Here's my my view, JJ. If we see Pedro Martinez and Big Poppy in the building on, on Game Five, <laughs> then, then then look out here here it comes. Oh, you know they're wheeling all those goons out, guaranteed. <laughs> I mean, you know it and I know it. They're but gonna here, have who are they bringing out? Kevin Moore? Are they gonna go find Mark Bellhorn while they're at it? Oh my God! Please. He's, he's a, now hey. see, I I'll be honest. I really. Didn't have a dog. I was rooting for Miami, but I really didn't have much of a dog in the fight in this series. Now with this real nonsense, I'm rooting hard for Miami. I hope they win in game five. I don't want this real nonsense now with Boston happening again. I can't well, have it, dude. I all can't. kidding aside, <laughs> all kidding aside, Miami really can't afford to lose any more bodies. And Kyle Lowry looked a little ding to me tonight. And so did Gabe Vincent at the end of the game, game too yeah. with the ankle. Yeah. That would be, and Lowry, so look, you mentioned a house. He was terrible tonight. Awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah, well, yeah. He 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 looked like he lost half a step. If anything at all, they just don't have enough bodies. Notwithstanding all of the bodies that they've got rolling all all series long, all playoffs long, they really can't afford to lose any more dudes or have any more dudes dinged. Especially if this recipe for Boston is this get out, push the pace, and and try and you know perimeter defend and go go go. It'll be interesting. I'll just leave it at that. I'm not I'm not going to say anything about uh, Boston winning the series at this point, but for sure, uh, it's it's interesting. And I'm rooting. We need a game six. Get us to a game six. We're going to get a game six. Uh, Miami's going to keep it close, and they're going to give you a better so, effort. So, 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 so time out, time out. You, you guys are betting Miami, but you think we're going to get a game six. Yeah, I think Miami will win in six. Yes. Okay. That's what I think. Okay. I think Miami wins in six. Now, I'll, okay. throw it, I'll, I'll, I'll drop the mic right now. Miami in six. Okay. There we go. Well, you, I, I believe you You can bet that on FanDuel right now. For those of you who don't know, you can bet the exact series. Um, um, you can bet the exact series score. So you have Miami four to two at plus 155. So you can bet that right eh, now. Not enough juice for my liking. <laughs> okay. Not enough juice for my liking. I, I appreciate you sharing, Raheem. Uh, of course. That was very friendly of you, but not enough juice for my liking. All right, boys. When we come back, there is a team that punched their ticket to the NBA Finals. My Nuggets. I got a future. I know we're all rooting hard after what we saw in the Western Conference Finals because that Nugget team, you want to talk about likable. They are likable up the wazoo. And I hope that there is some respect being thrown on that particular team's name. It is well-deserved. It's warranted. We'll talk about the four-game sweep against the Lakers coming up next. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. and. How about me taking care of business on a Dinger Tuesday bet with Cedric Mullins? You love to see that. And there's a bet I'm making right now for the NBA playoffs. How about the Miami Heat and six? Miami Heat and six. Boston wins a game five. Heat take care of business on a home floor Saturday night. And then we set the stage for the Heat and the Denver Nuggets. There's so many things I love betting on FanDuel. Great promos every day. The app is safe and secure. And you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Just visit FanDuel.com slash gamblers and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash gamblers. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the Nuggets took down the Lakers. And you know how I commend the Lakers for the fight? 
down 3-0. They did not mail the game in. LeBron was brilliant in the first half. They even survived the third quarter onslaught from Denver and fought back in the fourth quarter. They had a terrible final minute of the fourth quarter. Denver was the better team. Denver deserved to win. Um, It was a far more competitive series, though, than your classic 4-0 sweep. You know what I mean, dude? Like, you applaud the Nuggets. They won on the road, which was a bugaboo for them all year. But every one of those games, House, I felt like was super fun and super competitive. Not like you're you're running a mill. Wow, 4-0. This was ho-hum. This was boring. This is a fun series. I couldn't agree more. We really deserved at least six games of that series, and I would have been fine with seven. Um, and and all, all credit due to Denver. I mean, they are the complete team that won the, the Western Conference, won the, the number one seed in the Western Conference, validated that showed everybody on the national stage why it is, how it is that they got there, reminded everybody who the true MVP of the league is, right? I mean, I, I keep I can't believe all these interviews, <clears throat> these people coming out of the woodwork. Man, I can't believe how good the Joker is. What are you talking about? Do you watch NBA basketball? <laughs> See, how Raheem, that's what it boils down to. People who make these statements, they don't watch. It's really as simple as that. They don't watch. I mean, you have Mark Jackson, who's actually commentating on the games, who left Jokic all of it, off of his MVP ballot. Raheem, and- he should never vote for the MVP ever again. I- I'm dead serious, <laughs> and I'm not trying to disparage. For you to leave Jokic off the ballot, you don't deserve an MVP vote. Give it to House. Give it to you. <laughs> give it to me. We would give a better MVP ballot than Mark Jackson, who's doing all these dopey games. Give he me a break. A, he said it was a mistake. He thought he was supposed to do it by, by position, which is sure. even funnier. Sure. <laughs> even funnier, sure. obviously. But then he's commentating on the games, and it's like the first time he's ever noticed Jokic. So it's, it's, it's fascinating. That said, fellas, super impressed by the Nuggets. They have so many different ways to beat you. Listen, Jokic is a magician. He's a wonderful player. He's the best player in the league for my money with what he is doing right now. But House, the role players for the Nuggets, Jamal Murray, I don't even like calling him a role player. He's a tremendous player. I shouldn't use that role. I shouldn't use that term towards him because he has evolved beyond that. But you think about Caldwell Pope, Aaron Gordon, who we were waiting to show up, He showed up in game four and had a monster game four across the board. The wings and the overall depth from Denver, very, very impressive and overwhelmed the Lakers across the board. It really did. Yeah, the the most interesting thing to me with uh, Denver and especially the Jamal Murray point, we gave all of these kudos. We were giving all these flowers to Devin Booker and Jamal Murray's like, yo, do you all? It was just a couple years ago. Don't you remember this? Don't you remember me? Didn't, I was in that bubble. I was going toe to toe, shot for shot with this dude. I'm right there with them. So I'm happy to have him back in the conversation of the best shooting guards in the NBA. He's done it under pressure on the big stage when it was required right here in the Western Conference Finals. Welcome back, Jamal Murray. That's all I want to say. It's, it's yeah, been a, I mean Jamal Murray's reemergence. Yeah, he's been absolutely incredible. Wow. I mean, I, like he has to be the best player in the NBA to not make an All Star team. So that tells you the level of talent that we're seeing in the NBA. But you know, I got to give it up to Jokic because you know I've always been Team MB, and I'm kind of embarrassed for you know believing that MB was better than him at some point. I mean, look when you look at what Jokic did yesterday in the third quarter alone. 
He had 13 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, one block, four for eight shooting. I mean, some of the things that Jokic was doing, even the shot that he hit down the stretch off one leg that Ridiculous. turned out to be a th- yeah, Ridiculous. absolutely incredible. And then, you know, we forget how great of a passer he is because after he made that shot, he had the, the dish to to Aaron Gordon. So it's just like this guy's just absolutely unstoppable. And I feel like I'm watching one of the 10 best players in like in NBA history to, to, to show you how great he is. FanDuel has right now. He's minus 110 to average a triple double in the NBA finals. Minus 110. That shows you how great he is. No, he's putting up monstrous numbers. Now, I'm going to cool the Jets a little. Raheem on top 10 all time. I know he's putting up monster numbers. Let me see Jokic yeah. do it now for a couple of years. And then we could go and revisit that historical conversation. And we might be having it in a couple of years for what it's worth. But it sure seems like, House, they're a team that is poised to do great things here in the NBA Finals. And I think no matter what happens here in the Eastern Conference Finals moving forward, Denver against either one of these teams should be, to me, a sizable favorite with home court advantage, with Jokic being the best player. I don't care who's playing in this series. No no knock on Jimmy Butler. I love Jimmy Butler. Jokic better. Jokic, Tatum. Love Tatum. Sorry, not as good as Jokic. Jokic, home court, Denver, everything they have going. First time in the NBA Finals. Slaying a bunch of dragons. Running through the Western Conference the way that they have. I think they deserve to be anywhere from minus 180 to a 200 favorite, depending on who they play. That's how substantial I think it should be. Well, they're minus 210 right now um, to win the NBA Finals. And the Joker's sitting there at minus 175 to be MVP. I'd prefer to play, just play the MVP. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, because if Denver wins, it's going to be the Joker as the MVP. Um, But, you know, the thing that, that really sticks out to me with Denver is... While we've seen throughout these playoffs, teams create matchup advantages, disadvantages, and especially Miami, the Miami voodoo, they've been able to identify uh, mismatches and then take advantage and, and hunt players and, and put Jimmy Butler into pick and roll switch situations where he has an advantage. There's no answer for the Joker. There's no answer in the entire NBA for the Joker because if you throw bodies at him, to get him to pass the ball, that that feeds right into the way that Denver, one of the many ways that Denver likes to play. They're fine with him distributing. He's the best big, distributing big man in, in the league, and it's not even close. He sees angles, he sees guys, and they run an offense where he's distributing the basketball. So it's a fantastic uh, matchup either way, Boston or, or Miami. Um, I, I'm... You know, we're sitting here, you know, kibitzing a little bit about whether we're going to um, bet on Miami to win the series. There, There is no precedent for a team coming back from 3-0. I honestly personally would prefer to see Boston because I think they have more versatility notwithstanding the coaching situation and their underperformance in this Miami matchup. I don't think Miami will have any answers whatsoever. I like Bam. I think Bam's had a great playoffs. I'm glad that he showed out the way that he has. It's a brutal, brutal mismatch for Miami up against the Nuggets, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, and you know, both the, these teams played twice this season. The Nuggets won both, but I don't even think those matchups are indicative of, you know, 
the mismatch that we we're going to see in this series. Now, my model personally makes this this series Nuggets minus five and a half in their home games about a pick them on the road. But I just I think the Nuggets are just I mean, it's a huge mismatch for the, for this Miami team. And like you guys said, I mean, Miami's running out of bodies. Now, the one thing I will say about the Celtics, if they were able to make it through, they were be coming off their second straight game seven, seven game series. And I just think that puts them in a bad spot. I think they probably run out of gas. So I think the Nuggets are obviously the favorite to be in in one of these teams. And I have trouble believing that, you know, the Heat are going to pull it off or the Celtics are going to be able to come back from 3-0, second straight seven-game series, and then be able to beat the Nuggets who are just well-rested. Raheem, assuming we get the unthinkable here and the Celtics come back and win this series, the stat people... And the analytics and the nerds, they love the Celtics. They absolutely love the Celtics. We're going to get a much better price on Denver if it's Boston, aren't we? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt. What do you think that price would be? Now, again, I think they'll factor in home court and they'll factor in the idea that Boston, again, is coming off another seven-game series. What do you think? It's Denver minus like 130, 140? Um, Let me think about that. It's probably probably in that range. It's definitely in that range. Um. I have, so that's my silver lining house. If somehow, some way, the Celtics come back and win this series, it just means I get to double, triple, quadruple down on the Nuggets against the Celtics, which I will do. Let me clarify something with you guys. If the Celtics make it through, don't they get home court? Uh, let me double check that right now. I might be, I might be off there. You might be right. You might be right because I'm thinking one seed versus two seed, but it's overall record. Yeah, they might- actually do. Yeah, the Celtics do get home court. See, JJ had a boo-boo there. See, that's what happens when you think about the seeding. And I'm like, oh, the Nuggets are a one seed. The Celtics are a two seed. Therefore, the night. And I'm thinking about record. And see, we're at every now and again. It happens. We're a knucklehead. Well, no, it's okay. We're, we're looking for pricing. So, you know. So I'll get a better price then. I, that's uh, what I mean. But I still don't want that to happen. So let's. Yeah, but uh, yeah, one, hmm. 130 is probably is probably probably Nuggets minus 130. You're probably, you're probably right in that, in that range. wonder if it'd be a little lower, though, with the Celtics have a home court advantage. Might be. It well, might be. We probably won't have to speculate about this very much longer because well, let's hope yeah. so. From your from your lips <laughs> to God's ears. When we come back, has the king played his last game in an NBA uniform? Don't count on it. Uh we'll get into the future of LeBron James. And I- I'm kind of curious to see where my boys, Mr. House and Mr. Dream, view the career of one Carmelo Anthony. That's coming up next. So, fellas, after the Lakers got swept by the Nuggets, LeBron, very vague, Raheem, regarding his future. And the talk has always been that LeBron wants to play with Bronny Jr. And Mm -hmm. that once he gets the opportunity to play with Bronny Jr., then his career will be complete. And then he can do whatever the hell he wants to do. Movies, drink vino, smoke stogies, whatever the hell he wants to do, he will be able to do. But then there's this talk that came out today about the potential of him sitting out a year. Do you think we're living in a world next year where LeBron James is not playing in the NBA? I find that hard to believe. There's there's no world where LeBron James is retiring. Um, First things first, we all know LeBron James is not retiring from the NBA without a farewell tour. That's just not happening. And he said time and time again that he wants to play with his son. Now, what last night was about was just him being frustrated you know, here's a guy who played all 48 minutes. I mean, he dominated in that first half and he didn't get enough offensive help and he was frustrated. And 
you know, LeBron throws these temper tantrums and he, he works the media better than anybody. He wants the Lakers to get him some more help. That's the bottom line. I'll say this now. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to take a little bit of a shot because it's funny. He is <laughs> he is the drama king. Let there be no, the no, there's no doubt in Hollywood is the drama king. And he's going to milk all of that. But to Dream's point, I love where this Lakers team is at right this moment. And I love what they're capable of in this offseason because they got, they think about this. They built this team in March. This team didn't exist until, you know, first weeks of March. He couldn't even play because his foot was hurt. It was all AD. And that's why we took shots on every other Davis and his um, inconsistent play over the course of the playoffs. There ain't no playoffs without the performance that he put on from March up until early April, carrying that team across the finish line to get that seven seed. And they found a formula. They have stuff. I mean, I don't know what kind of position they're in in terms of what are they going to do with Austin, how they're going to pay Austin Reeves, and you know what do they want to do with D'Angelo Russell. But they absolutely positively are a place that other players want to come play because A, it's Los Angeles, B, it's the drama king, and C, all eyes on it, and D, in this era of regular season minimization and load management, if LeBron really wants to go hard 40 games, 38 games, who's going to stop him? If he wants to do every other game and keep himself in, in time, prime shape, he was awesome last night. Awesome. There was nothing indicating the uh, infrastructure of a 38-year-old band, JJ. So I'm, I think L.A. is in a great position to run it back. I look up and down the West. I'm extraordinarily unimpressed by the West, with the exception of the Denver Nuggets. That's the team in the West. But the LA is primed to to reload, I think, depending on what the cap machinations uh, that they have to go through, you know, put them through. But but I I think you know they're they're back and, and ready to roll. In my humble opinion. Well, that's where it gets complicated, right? The idea of all right, you got to pay Austin Reeves, you got to keep a bunch of these guys, and it's the delicate balance of keeping LeBron healthy on the court keeping Davis healthy on the court, playing as much as they can throughout the regular season so that they're sharp going into the postseason. And listen, I would look at this year as a whole and call it a win for the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers, they looked dead and buried in October, November. They looked like a team that was going nowhere this year. For them, Raheem, to find their way into the playoffs, they go and win the play-in. They go and beat Memphis. They knock out the defending champs. Even though they got swept in this series, and this is a bitter pill to swallow losing to the Denver Nuggets, where the Lakers were at in October, November, I'm looking at this season. I'm saying, you know what? It's a success, and it's something I can build upon, assuming my big guys, dare I say, could stay on the court. I do think this year was a success, but I'm not necessarily buying buying into them next year. I, I just can't do it, just because I think LeBron James... And Anthony Davis, they both are getting older. Now, as, as dominant as Anthony Davis was in this postseason, he's a guy who still continues to be inconsistent. And when you have LeBron James and he has to play, you know, 48 minutes in order for this team to stay competitive against the Denver Nuggets, 
because no one else is stepping up. I think that says a lot about this roster. So you're going to have to pay Austin Reeves. I don't know what's going to happen with Roy. I don't know what was going to happen with a lot of these guys. And I just don't think LeBron James can continue to carry this franchise. So I'm not sure if I'm buying into them next year. I think, you know, other teams will be a lot better. I mean, you have the Sacramento Kings. That was just year one of them. Um, you have the Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, they have to deal with the suspension of John Morant. But I think they suffered some injuries this year, which kind of hurt them. I mean, who knows what the Golden State Warriors are doing? I mean, Bob Myers, I mean, he could leave the franchise. I think the Suns will retool. I just, I'm not ready to buy on to the Lakers. And I think the Nuggets are going to be there for the foreseeable future as long as Jokic is an MVP candidate. It's a fair point. I, I would just want to be clear. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting this, this Lakers team in whatever iteration with whatever players. It's like a 45 win team, you know, they, but they don't have any reason to do anything but be healthy for the playoffs. That's all that matters for them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The regular season that, with those two guys that's in a their fair age. Point. It's not going to matter. We saw it with the Heat this year. And I think, you know, I think that's the most frustrating thing for myself and, you know, maybe some other people is that we we saw with the Miami Heat is that the regular season does not matter because you you look at Jimmy Butler, you look at Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry was fresh for, I mean, outside of tonight, he was fresh for this playoff run. And you had a bunch of guys. So you basically could just spend the time trying new things during the regular season. Make sure you keep your guys healthy. And if you win those play in games, and you just go on a run at the end of the regular season. I mean, the sky's the limit if you're healthy. Yeah, Dream I, and JJ, the 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 Heat, the Miami Heat are what the LA Clippers thought they could be. The LA Clippers thought they were trying to manage themselves into this position where they would have Kawhi and Paul George both healthy come playoff time. The problem with the Clippers is they had an ongoing chemistry experiment, including a bunch of deadline moves at the at the trade deadline. Uh, that that just didn't work out for them because they couldn't get Paul George healthy, and then Kawhi got dinged in, in, in the playoffs. But it's a it's a it's a I don't like the blueprint, right? I mean, if you if you buy tickets to go see the L.A. Clippers and neither one of those dudes shows up on the floor, what are you supposed to do with that regular season ticket? You know what I mean? It's a problem uh, for the NBA. It's right. a problem for the regular season in the NBA. Major major yeah. problem, but. Postseason time, it makes for high stakes and high drama, and we've gotten a tremendous NBA postseason, there's no doubt, this year. Um, fellas, what are we putting the percentages of LeBron not wearing a Laker uniform next year? I'd put it at less than 10%. You're going to go zero. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go zero as well. <laughs> well, I always throw a little bit more on LeBron because it's LeBron and to your terminology house, the drama king. So I feel like I got to factor in that tax and maybe give you a little extra. But yeah, long story short, LeBron, who lives in Los Angeles, whose son, oh, by the way, is going to be playing college basketball in Los Angeles. He's going to be a part of LA, at least for another year. We'll see after Bronny James ends up in the NBA, what the story might be. But LeBron, long story short, is going to be a Laker. Okay. My guy retired, officially. And I wanted to bring this up because... House and Raheem, being in New York, Carmelo Anthony has a very polarizing legacy in town because this is a guy who basically started the one-and-done phenomenon. Let's acknowledge that. I know now you see a bunch of guys to rant, Zion, whatever. Carmelo was really the first guy to go and be a one-and-done, win a national championship, just like oozing success in Syracuse, has a great run in Denver, but in New York... He had moments of brilliance with the Knicks. He had the all-time points 
scored game at the Garden. Uh, he took the team to the second round with Chandler and that team that was ahead of their time shooting all the threes with Mike Woodson. But he only got out of the first round once. He never got to a conference final. He never got to an NBA final. How's, how do you evaluate the overall career of future Hall of Famer Carmelo Anthony? Like, you're a guy who's watched the NBA a long, long time. Do you have a comp for Carmelo? Oh, that's a tough one because I'm I'm a person that NBA-wise was not that super impressed with Carmelo. I didn't think that he was a guy that could take a franchise over the top, but what he did in the Olympics, JJ, that to me was a whole different ball Being of part wax. of his legacy. Excellent yes, point. absolutely. And so I, I will forever admire Carmelo and admire his ability to function successfully in that environment. It requires a special kind of cat to go into an Olympic kind of situation where it's all alpha dogs and have all those dogs look at you and say, okay, yeah, you go ahead and carry the load for us a little bit, knock down some big shots for us, and – he, he was up to that. I mean, he really did deliver a, a, a gold medal when it was not a, a guarantee. So I always have respect for Carmelo in that way. I think that he, for NBA career-wise, um, had did, didn't look at himself um, properly in the mirror. I don't think he quite had enough self-awareness, but he's a tremendous scorer. The game at the Garden was an all-timer. That was one of the ones where we're all on our phone. Yo, 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 get up, get on, get on, get on. Melo's going off. It was it was super fun um, to watch when he got hot. And so I, I have super respect for him. Top 75, no doubt. Instant first ballot Hall of Famer. Great career for Carmelo. I look at Carmelo like a poor man's Kevin Durant. Um. You know, neither one of them really are, are great leaders and can impact the game outside of scoring. But you look at Carmelo Anthony, you ask any NBA player what they think about Carmelo Anthony. He's the best pure scorer in the NBA. He's a guy who, if I have to guard somebody, he's the hardest person to guard. And this is everybody saying this from Paul George to Andre Iguodala. You don't want to have to guard Carmelo because he's physical. He's fast. He can do everything and he can shoot. He can post up. That's his legacy. But, you know, I think Carmelo made some mistakes that Kevin Durant did. You know, when Dwayne Wade and LeBron James were free agents, um, he could have opted out around the same time and became a free agent and could have gone to Miami and been a part of that big three. He didn't opt out. And Chris Bosh became part of the big three. So, you know, if he had done that, that changes his legacy. Instead, Carmelo, he opted for the money. So, to me, he's a poor man's Kevin Durant, but he also wasn't as shrewd of a, a businessman. And he well, didn't, I was going to say put- he was a very shrewd businessman because he made sure that he got every last cent. And if you go back to when the Knicks traded mm. for him, Raheem, yeah, the Knicks, not that they were going to win a championship because I don't think they would have yeah. housed with that group in the LeBron East, but mm. they depleted everything they had yep. on the roster when he could have just gone the free agency you sign them. Instead, you're getting rid of all the talent you had on the team. You're getting rid of all the draft picks. You're getting rid of all of the roster maneuverability you could have had from a Knicks standpoint. That's part of the legacy. And House, I think that's why some Knicks fans have this sort of grudge towards Carmelo where they don't want him mentioned with the likes of Willis and Clyde and Earl and Ewing. There are some Knicks fans in my life. Now, I'm not one of them. 
I think with what he did for the franchise and the fact that he wanted mm-hmm. to be in New York when a lot of guys shy away from that pressure, I admire the fact that he took that on. I would retire his number, but a lot of old school Nick fans in my life want no part of his number being retired. Zero. I, I don't know one way or the other whether he deserves to have uh, his number retired as a as a New York Nick, but he did, um, you know, usher in a kind of moment of relevancy for the Knicks when they were kind of floundering. And so, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I understand the, the, the case to be made for it. Well, yeah, I hope I'm at a mellow retirement ceremony uh, and Be- get all the Syracuse big wigs out before, there. Yes. Before we move on, I, w- I would be remiss to not mention this. You know, the 2009 Western Conference Finals. Um, that's as far as, you know, Carmelo's That's probably got. the best season of Carmelo's yeah. career. 2008, yeah. 2009, and then 2012-2013. Yep. Take your pick. Those are the two best years of his career. And, and I, I just think, you know, that was the, the best roster that he had around him. He had, I mean, they had just traded Allen Iverson, who I love, for Chauncey Billups, and they gave him a pure point guard. And I felt like he was able to thrive. So I wish we could have saw Melo with that type of talent and that type of fit around him because they had my they had those Los Angeles Lakers teams with Kobe and, and Powell on the ropes. Um, and that series could have really gone either way. What could have been? What could have been? What could have been? I think a whole lot of people, despite the fact that Melo is going to end up being in the Hall of Fame instantaneously, there is that what if factor and that nature to his game. There's no question about it. All right, boys, when we come back, House, I'm going to go out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It was a great weekend for me betting golf. Not a good weekend. A great weekend betting golf. And Raheem, our boxing expert, our boxing guru and connoisseur, is going to have to give me and House a little tutorial. We need it. We'll help you out with the golf. You help us out with the boxing. All right, East Coast Bias Boys. We're coming right back. So... Last week, House and Raheem, I threw out a couple of names I liked for the PGA Championship at Oak Hill. One of them, Crash and Burned, didn't make the cut. The other had a good Thursday and then kind of spit the bit the rest of the tournament. The final name I threw out, Joe House, at 20 plus to one, a guy who knows a thing or two about navigating the major championship, Mr. Kepka. Oh, baby, Brooksy, I love you. What a performance. <laughs> oh, House, I could House, I watched so much golf this week. I'd be so proud of me. I watched every, like, minute on Saturday and Sunday, and I was hooting and hollering like crazy, like it was a dolphin game for Brooks Kapka. It's fantastic. Well, it was very fun to watch. You know, there is still this, this ongoing conversation about the PGA Championship in May because it used to be in August, and it was when it was in August – kind of an island event in the sense there was nothing else going on whatsoever. It occupied a spot in the sports calendar. Now, you know, there's a lot of competition for eyeballs. The Preakness was Saturday. Um, You know, the NBA playoffs are in full tilt. So people are still warming up to the PGA Championship at this moment on the calendar. So I'm still... Even even my own self as a deep golf nut, I'm, I'm acclimating uh, but I was absolutely thrilled to devote, you know, a great portion of my own Saturday and then all of Sunday to watching, you know, please allow me to reintroduce myself, Brooks Kepka, back on the major scene. And, you know, one of the, 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 the underlying themes here was how are the guys that are, you know, now playing in the in the live tour situation, how are they performing in the majors? Well, we have 
Now, two sample two two samples, two two uh, examples, and we had three of the top ten with the reintroduction of Bryson DeChambeau coming from from nowhere. Great to see him back on the scene. If you're a person that traffics in the content game like we do at Fairway Roller, JJ. But the championship, you know, it was a masterful performance by Brooks at a venue that has hosted U.S. Opens and PGA Championships. It was renovated, restored some of the flavor of the original architect, Donald Ross. It was a pure competition. Anytime you get Scotty Scheffler with a back nine like he had on Sunday, Brooks Kepka fighting off an up-and-comer hand-to-hand combat. That's exactly what professional golf wants to see in its majors. It was a great outcome. It's great to have Brooks, who loves the camera, loves the limelight, back in the driver's seat, uh, JJ. Well, House, I know this. Raheem, you're not going to be able to get Brooks Kepka at 22-1 to 1 at the U.S. Open at the L.A. Country Club in a month because the odds makers have dropped that price dramatically, haven't they, Joe House? Now the, the <laughs> Not that I'm going to bet Kepka in the next two, but after what he did at the Masters and now that he's won the PGA, he's going to be priced like one of the big dogs, dude. The days of getting 20 and 50 to 1 like he did at Augusta, they are over, my man. Right, JJ. So look, the U.S. Open odds are sitting here. Brooks Kepka, 12 to 1. Behind John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Roy McElroy. 12 to 1 now, JJ. Not getting that 20 to 1 anymore. We'll have a lot of time to dissect what's going to happen in the next couple of golf tournaments. U.S. Open in the month of June, Father's Day, primetime golf. I can't wait for that one. I mean, that is as perfect a night as you could have if we get a Game 7 in the NBA Finals and we have primetime U.S. Open golf. We can dare to dream. All right, before we say goodbye, Mr. Boxing is going to give us an update on what's coming up this weekend, and I'm going to need my notepad, and this is where someone who doesn't jot down a single note to do this show because everything comes from this little pea brain, this is where I need to start jotting things down because I need my uh, my boxing tutorial from Raheem Palmer. That's coming up before we say goodbye. All right, before we say goodbye, big boxing announcement. I'm not going to pretend that it's my forte. It is Raheem Palmer's forte, though, Joe House. So, Raheem, fill us in. What do we got? Okay, on July 29th, we got Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence finally taking on each other in a welterweight bout. I mean, this is probably the most anticipated boxing match probably since Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. I mean, you look at it on FanDuel right now. They have the odds up. Both fighters are getting are laying minus 112. So that tells you how close this fight is going to be. Um, honestly, I look at this as almost like the modern age Sugar Ray Leonard versus uh, Hagler. I mean, this could be a, a, a technical fight, but at the same time, I think somebody's getting knocked out in this fight. So, I mean, both of these guys have a lot of power. Both of these guys are technical. So I'm excited for it. Eileen Spence right now, but obviously a lot can change. You, I mean, you you want to see these guys go through training camp. You want to see, you know, what's going on behind the scenes and everything like that. You want to see the weigh-in. But my lean is Spence, and I just think Spence just, I mean, he has a work rate, which is just absolutely incredible. But, you know, Bud is no, no, no slouch at all. I mean, Terrence Crawford is one of the best in the sport, so this could go either way, but I'm leaning Spence. Raheem, is this a fight that'll have legit mainstream buzz? Oh, it's, it's the biggest fight in boxing. Um, I mean, by far. I mean, since Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather, there's not a bigger fight in the sport. 
So basically what you're telling me is that Joe House and I need to really get our uh, work in over the next couple of days and we need to be ready to go by the end of the summer. Ain't that right, House? I mean, uh, minus 112 both ways. That tells you exactly what you need to know. It's 50-50 and, and we'll just have to see if the number moves between now and then. But I, I mean, I don't even know what to do. Just pick yeah, a side. I mean, it's one of those things to where you know, House, you hit the nail on the head. Because when you look at a lot of these boxing matches, you'll see guys, I mean, you'll see a big fight and a guy's laying minus 400. So the fact that this is a 50-50 fight and they've been trying to make this fight since last summer. I'm connected with some guys from PBC. Earl Spence specifically said that he is not fighting anybody but Terrence Crawford. So they've been negotiating this since last summer. Terrence Crawford left his his former promotional company, Top Rank, to, to go with PBC in order to make this fight happen. So um, this is the fight of the year. Well, get your popcorn ready. And get your popcorn ready for next week as we'll have an NBA Finals preview and we'll find out if the Celtics City unthinkable. And I'm telling you now, I'm going to be in a really crabby mood doing a show next week. You could take that to the bank. For Joe House, Raheem Palmer, John Zustremski signing off. Good job by the Wargon Warrior. Back next week on FanDuel TV. We'll chat Friday on the Ring of Gambling Show. Boys are out. Be good, everybody.